six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. We have commit and we have liftoff at 213. And it has cleared the tower. Prepare yourself for a world Welcome one, welcome all, Conley here with the Science Nights in the Morning. Yes, we got uh, Dr. Sean Graham all the way from Down Under. We have uh, Schiller here in the studio as well. And back by popular demand... The people were outside. They were protesting. They had the signs out. They had the uh, India flags waving. Yeah, Otterbahn. Bring back Otterbahn. Yeah, and here he is. Here's the man himself, Otterbahn Bonacharchi. What's up, man? Nothing much. What's up with you? No, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. good. Yeah, good. (laughs) I heard it's been hot hot here. Yeah, it's actually cooler than it's been. Yeah. It's actually cooler. Talking about the weather, right when he comes back uh, from India. Yep. <laughs> I thought so. it would be nice here. Yeah, we, we met up in Dallas. <laughs> very, very, very uh, positive attitude, Honorman. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I have to keep very, it up. Very uh, optimistic. I mean, I mean, I landed back in India in May when it was like over hundreds, right? Rain happens, and I'm like, okay, it's cooled down a bit. Now I go to go back, and back in August, I'm thinking, well, it'd be nice there. So I land in Dallas. It's 100 degrees in the evening. And it's yeah. just like so much fun. Yeah, but then we got to go see Metallica. That was fun. That was actually fun. Yeah, little, Not little, this, little known band. N- really, really tiny band. They used to be a garage band, I think. Yes. Got yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Very indie. Yeah, very, very indie. indie. Very yeah, yeah. indie. I think, se- what, did we, what did we decide? Like 70-something thousand people in the AT&T Stadium? Yes, around 70,000 people for sure. Yeah, okay. It's Small like crowd. a wedding, like a yeah. little bit bigger wedding. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, we, have, we have a good show for you all today. We're going to be talking about something that is uh, very historic, and especially for, you know, we're celebrating Honor Bond's return. A monumental achievement for India and um, the world, really. Yeah, I was because they have that. an unmanned uh, like, space rover. Ro- yeah, spacecraft. Rover, yeah, yeah. We have an unmanned rover, but uh, what? As India goes, is the fourth nation, so that makes us kind of a little bit happy. Mm-hmm. So, so U.S., so. Russia, China. Uh, not, Russia, not Russia. Uh, they uh, crash. They I crash mean, USSR. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you have to make that important sure. important distinction. Yeah, yeah, USSR. So you want to make that distinction there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, USA, USSR, and China, then India gets to go up there. So Very cool. Yeah. So it's the fourth nation up there. So And the first nation to land in the South Pole. So the lunar South Pole. So, uh, and the, so that makes this mission in itself uh, unique. What is the mission called? Chandrayaan. So basically, it's a vehicle going to the moon because we call moon the Chandra. So the channeler, Chandra, Chandra, Chandra. Chandra. Oh, Chandra, Chandra. Yeah, Chandra. Yeah, that's so a fire goddess, isn't it? In Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Ah, uh, interesting. <laughs> Me and Let's Thomas not get on that. Let's not get on that. Yeah. Are like so, yeah. so we have to, over here. We had to put the dork filter on our voices. <laughs> Sean, I love, I love how Honorbon, Honorbon. You can totally when he says 
interesting. Yeah. He doesn't think it's interesting. <laughs> he says it that way. So they, so they, they could, they, they, they could have been really creative with what they named this this rover, but they just named it. Yeah, vehicle to moon, the moon. Moon vehicle. Moon vehicle. Moon yeah. Vehicle. Yeah. The entire mission is called Moon Program, like Moon Vehicle Program. Like you have the Artemis Program, right, to get the. The human beings on moon back again. So this is the Chandrayaan program, which pretty much wants to do the same thing. So I've never heard of NASA for India. Like, what? What? What is? What, what kind of program do they have? I- ISRO, I I S R O, Indian Space Rocket Organization. ISRO. Yeah, Space Research okay. Organization. Okay, so and that's a government-funded yeah, program. Yeah, completely government-funded. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and so why did they want to go up there? Like, what what was the purpose? What's the reason? Um, it's kind of just to. I mean, we already. Wa- I mean, why does anyone who up want to go up to the moon, right? So but, strike but, oil, Buzz baby. Aldrin, <laughs> Buzz Aldrin left his keys up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, we already have a like one of the things like that is not really very well known. We launch a lot of satellites, not just this is like very specific. We launch a lot of communication satellites and a lot of weather satellites, which are mm-hmm. like used uh, to we are we rent them out. Mm-hmm. India rents them out. So that's a money making thing for India. So this is just an extension of that program, which we used um to go up and want to and this is the actually this one is the third one that has gone up the first one just went to the moon kind of like orbited around mm-hmm. uh, second one was supposed to land make a soft landing did, did not crashed so this is the third one they have sent up there so is there like um i don't know a treaty or what, like how does government work on the moon because like it, it, oh, it has you, to be international, right? Yeah, you have the 2020 Artemis Accords also, which India is a part of. So that's kind of like governs the entire thing, like how we are going to um, build collaborations, growing to the moon and stuff. So hmm. that's kind of I don't know the entire how the accords accords are about. Like so that's not something I studied up. Hmm. So Billy Bob couldn't build a rocket in his backyard and. Land well, th- well, Elon Musk is trying to build one. I mean, if you want to think of him as Billy Bob, Billy, Billy Bob or uh, Jeff Be- Bezos. So they are trying to do that. India has, has its own startup companies trying to build private rockets. So yeah. they're all trying to do yeah, that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. I, I, I'll bet it's more of the Wild West mm-hmm. than other things. Like, so if you wanted, if Billy Bob wanted to go set up in Antarctica and do whatever he pleased, he could not. Mm-hmm. There are international treaties. It's very well governed. It's divvied up among different countries. Of who gets to, how many people get to come and go. Uh, some, some countries are not signatories to that. And they, so like Australia, for example, still kind of claims part of Antarctica, even though uh, they don't really, uh, it doesn't belong to them. But they claim it anyway because one of their guys got down there and, you know, discovered part of it. But the, I think space in the moon is kind of wild, op- you know, wide open. I think there's probably some little stuff that, you know, people have agreed to, but it's kind of there for the taking. I mean, and India is kind of demonstrating that. Yeah, it's They're like, hey, no one's been to the South Pole. Let's go. Yeah. And as nations go, it's not a big problem. I think the only thing... If you're a private company, you will need to have clearance from the government to launch your uh, spacecraft. And that's the only thing you'll need. I don't think there's anything or any government out there, right, like, like a democratic government is going to pre- pre- prevent a private corporation from sending it 
uh, launching a vehicle out mm. of the space. Like, yeah. I mean, you need to have the technology and everything. Those are highly classified engines everybody will be using. So yeah. you want to make sure that about that one. So. So the South Pole, what? Why is that significant? Why? Did, why are we Ice, shooting? Ice, water. Pole? We yeah. talked about this. I don't think Sean remembers, right? Sean, like we talked about, South Pole is a place where you have iced with water, uh, like water ice, and we can have methane ice and all those stuff. So that is a part where uh, it's a lot. Uh, it's in the dark, a lot of craters, uh, so a lot of dark spaces, which means the sun doesn't reach there. So the temperature is really low, so the water will be there. Okay. And we have found evidence of water, so water and ice, so we just need to find it exactly where it is located. And South Pole is where it is supposed to be located. We need to find the place. Another question. But Honorbon, yeah. is, is, it would be the same on the North Pole, right? I think the North Pole has some kind of a tilt, and I think that's mm. uh, it has more. South Pole is covered mostly in darkness, and I think that the, um, and that's the reason they wanted to land there. Uh, Interesting. That, and that's I, where they have detected the water also mostly so yeah our focus is mainly on has been on the north pole that's apparently where we're going to be sending the artemis astronauts right not not um, north pole, rather northern hemisphere of that more closer to the equator which is less cratered most of the landings have, be, have been near the equator of moon's equator right but in the future artemis missions where we haven't landed a person yet. Yeah. I think they're shooting for the North Pole to check yeah. out those craters May, that it would yeah. be shadowed. Yeah. yeah. Whereas it's interesting, the Indians have gone the other direction and they and now the rover, they sent a rover? Yes. Is there a critter a, yeah, driving a, around down there right yeah. now? Yeah. So the uh, in, so it's, it's a great thing that we are doing it today. So what is happening is, so we have a rover. It went 100 meters out of the uh, Chandrayaan and is there so it's went and moved around and very interestingly for you know how the moon is going around the earth right it's circling around the earth it takes around 28 days to go around it so that now what's going to it's going to enter into the face for 14 days it's going to go the south pole is not going to receive any light from the sun so it's going to go into sleep mode so what so, does that mean when it has a tilt? Like it's similar to Earth in that you know the axis kind of shifts and it's wobbly. Every, it spins on its axis, so it has a tilt. So in that regard, so everything that will spin will have an axis because mm-hmm. you are spinning, right? Sure, right? So it's got that. So what? So in this case, it means that the moon, right, twenty-eight days, right? The, when the, when you see the new new moon, basically. What you're saying, uh, seeing is the side of the moon that is not facing the sun, right? Right. And when it comes around, it is the same side that will be facing you, but that is illuminated by the light. Right. So now it's kind of going around. So the South Pole is inclined in a way it will not receive hmm. any light as it's going around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, and what that's why eclipses are so awesome. Yeah. Because it like, you know, when, whenever... It, you know, it per- passes. Per- perfectly aligns itself. Right. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about that. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So And the now, wobble now the wobble is not like a seasonal thing. The wobble is a thing that happens over like tens of thousands oh, of yeah, years. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. so is a, okay. is a, is a wobble you're talking about the top, like if you have a top which you rotates, right? That wobble of a top, mm-hmm. that is basically if you're talking yes, that's called precession. Earth does that to over 26,000 years. I do not know when, how much time the moon takes, but 
yeah, if it might, it it, it should have a wobble. So, so is, it, is this rover up there collecting data yeah. as we speak right now? It was, but as, as I said, right now it's going into the shadow, so it won't receive the solar power, so it's going right. to go into the sleep mode for two weeks, and hopefully it wakes up after two weeks. So, yeah. It so they've got a real, a real opportunity to beat to beat us to figure out whether there's water ice in those craters. Yeah, if it wakes up after two weeks. So we have to hold right. our breath for two weeks now. <laughs> yeah, this, that's this, pretty cool because all of, all of the water ice in the craters is all kind of based on, you know, uh, observation from sort space. of circumstantial yeah, evidence yeah. and some observations, but nobody's been down there to make a tumbler, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but this this rover could could take a sample and confirm that before mm-hmm. we yeah. we get there, which which would be helpful for us because ultimately we want to get there and, and use the water. That right? is exactly the um, reason. So it's it's no skin off our teeth if they find that and just help confirm you know, where once the again water is. That that, yeah. What were you going to say, Thomas? I, I was going to ask you sort of an engineering question. You may or may not know the answer, but how do they how do they deal with the extreme cold? Because mechanical equipment can get kind of fussy if it's I think one freezing. Of the, yeah, I mean, I think the way there's a definite shielding there. And I think there might be... I'm not sure. I haven't looked into the mm-hmm. specification of what is the vehicle inside. I am kind of a little bit... Con- um, taking a kind of like an idea of what people does. There might be some kind of a radioactive something in there. Okay. Which would half decay and provide the heat, yeah, like a, yeah, a release capsule, system. warm capsule. That's the way it can heat. You can, like that's what there is there in the Voyager missions also. Like a little bit of radioactive, which keeps okay. the heat, me- uh, po- uh, like a little bit of power. Yeah. So, Do you know an engineer we could call and mm, ask? I mean, not NASA, but I guess we can find out. So I don't know exactly. They're, I'm not friends with any of them. So You're not friends with any engineers? I mean, yes, I'm friends <laughs> with any engineers, but not the ones that are involved in this mission. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, that'd be cool to reach out to them, honestly. Um, yeah. I, think it'd be I, I bet they had to engineer the the SHIT out of the thing. Yeah. Well, I heard cool that. Though. Well, I've not heard, but I re- there's an article out there. Washington Post published it about um, a lot of the scientists that contributed to this very underfunded, uh, and they didn't Underfund- have a lot of funds. I mean, underfunded is, uh, in the sense, it's India, right? It yeah. doesn't have resources. Compared to uh, India, yeah, that would be the case, underfunded, but it's just making things for cheap. So, um, but it works. It well, works. I mean, they, they, the scientists work well below, like, what a normal scientist No, would. That, is, that, 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 is, that is not the right thing. Scientists are actually paid a lot. So that is not the way. There's a, it's a federal job, so oh, yeah. it's a federal salary. So they are getting really well. I mean, they're not going to get, in the sense, I would not say, okay, so th- let's say, let's compare. If um, you're going to work for something like an Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. They might, And you're a really good scientist, right? They will pay you like 150K or something like that. You take the same federal job, they're going to pay you like 80, 90K. But benefits and everything come along, right? right? Now, also you have to understand each of these scientists are actually government officers. So they come with pensions and everything. So there's a lot of other things that you're coming into play. They're not really like, this is not poor people. These are not poor people by any means that are working there. <laughs> Even the junior scientists, people right. get in. So How many rupees equal one U.S. dollar? 81. 81 rupees. Yeah. So that, uh, what does a rupee look like? Is it like? Okay. Do you have one? 
I don't have a coin, but uh, oh I, my gosh, he has—he's pulling out his wallet right now, uh, and he's opening up his wallet. He's gonna—he's oh, gonna show. Our, he's our, gonna flash. Our listeners are just gonna absolutely love this, this segment. This, yes, this is awesome. Oh my god! Yes, there's Gandhi on it. Gandhi's so cool. It, <laughs> Wait, ben ben from, Kingsley. Actually, is it Gandhi or Ben, ben Kingsley? It's Gandhi. Okay. Ben Kingsley is inter- interestingly is half Indian. Oh yeah, no, he's a great actor, yeah. Indian actor. Um, this is a hundred re- Reserve Bank of India, guaranteed by the central government. One hundred. It says a one hundred. One hundred. going to read the rupees. Yeah. Wow, and it at says I promise. Ma- at least do some. I ASMR. promise to pay the bearer uh, the sum of. I think we should we should introduce this as a new segment to every one of our shows. We should read a dollar bill from a different country. What we should do is now just slowly go away from this and talk about how this is so different from the U.S. currency. And what does that I mean? Yeah. What is well, I do know now that people yeah. in India get can paid. Look at the numerology money. involved in the dollar. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, really cool. So, um, so coming back to that, like the, so yeah, Thomas, it will be radioactive most probably to bring it back. Okay. Uh, to keep it warm. The, yeah, keep it warm. And the only way I can, I don't think there's any other way, right? It's going to be two weeks out in the cold where the temperatures are going to be minus 250 degrees below zero degrees Celsius, right? Mm-hmm. What is, what would be my, I think the zero degrees uh, Fahrenheit, what is the absolute zero in Kelvin, uh, Fahrenheit, minus 430 or something like that? I yeah, if not, only we had a physicist. I mean, yeah, go, uh, go ahead. That's what I had to so, say. So, yeah. okay, so we've got, India's got this rover. It's going to sleep for two weeks and wake up. Um, how is it going to confirm whether or not there's there's water ice? Is it, does it have like a spectrometer on it? Yeah, or? it has a spectrometer on it. Okay. So it has a spectrometer, it has a seismometer, and which was very interesting. It already um, kind of, there was a vibration, uh, which is, was not normal. Uh, so it picked it up. So now they're thinking, well, is it a boulder that we dislodged? Or is it, it just went over a bump? Or is it an actual moon quake that hmm. happened? Cool. So uh, that's what they're trying to figure out. So those are things and certain things which we already knew, like there was there's there has already been confirmed reports of sulfur back in 70s and 80s in moon. So they confirmed sulfur is also there in uh, South Pole and things like that. Is it going to collect physical samples? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is a the one there is a laser uh, spectrometry out there, which is you shoot a beam of laser mm-hmm. into the ground and it can vaporize it. So it will test that vapor kind of okay, thing. Like so, a laser ablation. Yeah, kind of stuff. So uh, that's up there. So, yeah. Cool. So that's a program. And, uh, yeah, so that's happening. So we, we should be able to, uh, I mean, this two weeks comes in. And so we will see after this what happens. Uh, yeah, and I bet there's some, some scientists over there who are sweating in their boots for two weeks. I am very sure. I, I am. This is the reason I think everybody like put the media really hyped up about the, just the landing, which is very, very hard thing to do and to get the pro- rover out and get it moving as soon as possible because they knew that three, uh, right after three days, the, this two-week period is coming in. So why did they, do you know why they timed it like that? Why not? send it up a little bit early so it could just go straight away into to collecting data well they already started collecting data in three days right but i mean like like why didn't they land it two weeks ago 
Oh, I think it has to do with some kind of orbital maneuver, like the positioning, because what okay. India did was uh, they did that slingshot thing multiple times to save fuel yeah. using the kind of like going around the earth multiple times. So each time it went, go, go, uh, go, went around, it gained more energy uh, and saved uh, fuel on that. So okay. And then once it reached kind of a really went far away in its swing, it just gave, gave it super... It, a little bit of extra energy by burning its fuel and just went towards the moon. So yeah. it, it needed to be perfectly aligned for it to okay. do that maneuver. Mm. Now, Honorban, yeah. um, having just gotten back from India, yeah. what's the vibe in India? Um, are, is, are people going bananas there? Was it all over, you know, uh, Times Square in Delhi? Uh, like on the ticker, are your friends going nuts and posting stuff on their social media? What's going on? Are they happy yeah, about this? Yeah, it was pretty much all over, kind of all the big news channels that everyone covered it. It was like life broadcasted, everybody fo followed it. And uh, so, yeah, no, it was a pretty big deal because uh, uh, first of all, the landing in itself, we didn't really land a soft landing before this so this was the first thing we are landing and it was always said we are going to be the first people on the uh, south pole so people were really stoked and really excited about it so. that's awesome and did you uh, witness any choreographed dancing in the street i wish i did I mean, that's normal. <laughs> that's what I think, you know. Our, our PM speech was choreographed. I think that was pretty close enough, I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, very nice. And Honorbon, they so you, India had crashed uh, a, a lander on uh, before, and so there's a bit of a kind of a, a let down, and then now this must be just pure euphoria. Yeah. Is that what's going on? Yeah, especially with the scientists and everybody, because it's for, uh, I think that is why last time it didn't, they didn't advertise itself like very much. The first, the second mission when crashed it, so they didn't advertise it this much. But this time, and especially they're having the uh, like a rover out out there, so this made it even more advanced and even more exciting. And we should point out, um, you know, I guess not on the moon. But I'm thinking I was just thinking of like all these crashes and people can kind of tend to sneer and turn their nose up at these crash. Lines. I think Russia, right? Mm -hmm. Russia just crashed on the moon mm -hmm. like the same week that you guys pulled off a landing, which must tickle you to death. It certainly tickles me to hear that. <laughs> but then everybody, everybody is at a failed mission, right? We crashed something on Mars. Uh, Russians crashed all the time. The Soviets crashed. China's crashed. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, it, to get one to work is pretty spectacular. But, you know, I, mean, I think a, a failed mission like is is going to start to look less and less like a failure in the future. So uh, everybody yeah. has failed a little bit. And now everybody seems to have gotten something right. And so now the ball is really rolling. And you have to understand, like the uh, people always forget the people died when the first high spare like the high altitudes flight came along the early precursors to uh, space missions like before yuri gagarin went up in space like those like pilots, the test pilots just pilots died mm -hmm. going up those levels they died just going up to the like stratosphere heights and people kept on dying after yuri gagarin and everybody like even american astronauts have died right in 1980 82 the challenger mission and everything people have kept on dying it's not like 
people don't die up there so it's yeah uh, yeah and uh, it's a pretty it's a pre- still really risky um business and, yeah yeah I'm, i'm waiting for i i hate to say this i'm very pessimistic but i'm waiting for the first commercial failure and i'll just leave it at that i was really worried you know william shatner went up into space right mm-hmm. and i was like oh come on this can't be don't let the first commercial explosion be you know captain kirk going up and blowing up so it, it, that's bound to happen it's going to happen and it's like who who's going to be the famous person well i guess we could already you know they did the um the titanic submarine yeah. voyage with a bunch of rich folks who paid for that ride and it didn't work out i hope it is But, not like yeah, that it, If you think about like the age of exploration, uh, you know, they would send entire, you know, Spanish uh, galleons full of people to go set up a colony and nobody would come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- we're kind of at the cusp of that for space exploration. And, and we're going to break some eggs before we make some omelets. That's a beautiful that really is a beautiful kind of um, just depiction when you think about the Spanish galleons and people going out to to you know frontier you know going out to the frontier they're exploring and they're sacrificing themselves in the name of exploration right you know and and we're kind of the same way too and like you say it takes a, a couple eggs to be cracked uh thank god for them and i'm sure they're up in the cosmos probably coming back down they might still be here you know spiritually somewhere like reincarnation style you know they can they, you know they're vaporized know. pieces of carbon ice <laughs> No, man. A little more spiritual than that, buddy. Come on. They're, let's go. They're, uh, they're sparkly pieces of carbon ice. Well, they, <laughs> it, it, it could have come down with the rain and it could have gone back yeah. into the soil. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then right. we could have. Yeah, their viscera, their viscera yeah. came back to Earth and, and yeah, I mean, fertilized the soil. People, like, we have a very short memory as a collective, as a species, because you also forgot to mention North Pole and South Pole expeditions. Yeah. yeah, so many people died, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's a big thing. Yeah. Like Everest, <laughs> Everest, yeah, Everest is littered with frozen now. dead people who um, are probably reincarnated into the bar-headed geese that fly over Everest every year. Could right? be. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. You never know. You hey, honor bond. Uh, yes. So, uh, the, what, uh, Conley asked a really interesting question towards the top of the show and and there's really fun ways to answer it he said why did you go and it's almost like it's a flippant thing to say i'm sure he didn't intend for it to be flippant but he he's kind of like well ever you know america's already been to the moon and the soviets and the china why india and the other part of that answer is interesting because the people who can get to the moon <clears throat> all have nuclear weapons Right. <laughs> you and they can all guess, fly yeah. those nuclear weapons on the head of a big ass rocket. Mm-hmm. They can either take a rover to the moon or take a uh, nuclear weapon up your ass. Yeah. And so that's, you know, if you read the right stuff, a great, great book, great movie. And it, that's what it's all about. It's all about the space race, the, the early moon missions the early well it's actually i guess the mercury missions it was all just a proxy demonstration of rocket capability mm. between the soviets and the u.s it was and it was it, it was like the old 
the old uh, combat days between like the Spartans and Greeks or something where they would just nominate their greatest warrior. And instead of all hacking each other to death, they would send, you know, Hercules versus Achilles and decide the fate of the nation state based on single man combat. And, and, and the author of the right stuff, uh, Thomas Wolf, blanking on his name it just beautifully summed up the space race as, as a single man combat metaphor hmm. and here we are again with india participating with china participating and it's and it's incredible that it's become we've gone from where there were two superpowers you know doing this space race to now having this interesting kind of postmodern multinational competition for the future no no man no that's that's interesting it is hector versus achilles uh, hector of troy versus whatever. achilles of uh, <laughs> whatever they're all Greece, dead but still uh, uh, no i was going to bring up another interesting point when you bring that up right like remember the time when yuri gagarin had already walked on the surface uh, like walked outside space and did that space walking thing right and at that point, the mood in the United States, because I was reading up, I was just reading up a completely separate, very by fantasy of mine is like, why don't we take all the nukes and just blow up the moon? Like with the moon, all the nukes we have, what would happen? Right. What could we what could we achieve? So my thing is like you could have a huge amount of dust going up. This is my vision. You have the dust going up then you could trap the heat and see what happens underneath. So that's my was this is a science fiction thing that I'm thinking of. So, you well, have a question, Sean? Well, I, Isaac Asimov uh, said that the moon shouldn't so, exist. Uh, so, no, no. So, the fact well, that it's there is no, an no, anomaly. No, no. So, now, so, so it, so I was just looking this thing up. I just had a random thought, but. Uh, is then, that what you were looking up on your phone while I was uh, talking about profound, no, profound multinational? No, I, what I was actually looking up was then when I was looking up an idea what would happen when I have the, somebody implemented that crazy idea. It turns out after Yuri Gagarin had wa- did a spacewalk, the mood in the uh, United States Army and everything was, well, Russians are most probably going to reach the moon. So well, how could we prevent this if they get there or something of that sort? So they thought about how we, we nuke the moon when they reach so there. So this was an actual, actual thought that the U.S. government had? A, US now it's had. all making sense. So pro, pro, Yeah, pro, that's pro, interesting. Pro, yeah, so It's called a project. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised so, that there wasn't more. There may, there may have been some monkeying around. Uh, I'm surprised. It was interesting, though. With the space race, it's almost like there was kind of, it was accepted that there would be fair play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There could have been monkeying around. There could have been, uh, you know, they could have gone in and threw spanners in the works and, and tried to, you know, and maybe there was were some probably some secrets stolen and whatnot. But um, it seems like with the space race, it was almost fairly neutral. And, it, and that's what's so interesting about it. It was kind of agreed that rather than blow each other up with nuclear weapons, we're going to have this competition. Sort of like it's pretty interesting. But that, that's kind of what I was like thinking the Olympics. too. Yeah, yeah, you just—it's understood yeah. that it's you know gentleman sport. But and, there was still a study yeah. commission, and there's an actual report and everything out there uh, 
So you can look it up. It's called Project A One One Nine. I just had to look up that number. No, I've heard of A One One Nine actually. So, uh, yeah, but, there's no but, telling. But it was like a kind of hype hypothetical type discussion i right? mean what happened was basically then as it went through was kennedy gets to power yeah. and the focus completely changes and the idea is we are going to land the men on moon that's it that's when yeah. things the vision changes and everything right. and then linden killed him and then and the bullet really bent right <laughs> it really had that curve defying all the physics yeah thanks so, linden yeah I, be, yeah I bet the ussr had some nutty stuff cooked up too yeah they're, they 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 probably had some nukes aimed at the moon too. <laughs> well, the, the one of the kind of rumors is that their biological weapons research was miles ahead of ours, where we concentrated on nuclear weapons and delivery and all of that. They were cooking up all kinds of bugs, um, which is kind of a close regard. Well, they kept it a secret, even though they'd signed on to a treaty saying that, that they would not. Uh, play with biological weapons but then it's weird at the same time well, it's just like our government our government we had different parts of our government doing crazy weird scary things while the other side didn't even know about it mm-hmm. but they there's an example in the cold war where the soviet union and america got along and collaborated and that was the eradication of smallpox mm-hmm. the two superpowers came together for that year too and uh yeah they tried for so, also yeah one of the things let's get back to india on the moon um, one of the things this reminds me of, if you guys were humongous nerds like me, you watched 2001 A Space Odyssey mm-hmm. and you were blown away and it became your favorite movie of all time and you had no idea what any of it meant. And so you went and read Arthur C. Clarke's movie, like his book based on the movie, right. which, you know, the screenplay was based on which kind of helps spoon feed you a little bit about what the hell is going on in like the, the last Stargate sequence. And then you were still hungry and you watched 2010. Mm. Right. Um, and then you read that book. And if you were a super Arthur C. Clarke nerd, you read 2061 Odyssey three. <laughs> and that sucked so much that you never bothered to read 3001 uh, the final odyssey, but there could be some listeners out there who are nerdy enough to have gone through all four of those books. But 2061 is set in kind of a little bit more in the future. And and it's, it's pretty crazy because Arthur C. Clarke for a while there, because of 2010, he lost some street cred, right? Because 2001, he nailed what like the initial stages of space exploration would be like, even though he, he missed the date. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we're set in a world that's kind of like 2001. We it's have very high there. ambitions of how government worked too. Like, right. I mean, so he, he set the bar very yeah. high for how government interacts and works. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, a hotel, uh, orbiting the moon. I mean, that's not far away. There's things like, and he, of course, the movie got like iPads that predicted all this stuff. And 2010, he took a big uh, steaming poop because he had the Soviet Union still existing in 2010. Mm-hmm. But now we're back into a Cold War with Russia. Yeah. He's he nailed it. It's just not called the Soviet Union anymore. Right. So he's his street cred is blowing up again, Arthur C. Clarke. And in 2061, he's got like multiple nation states uh, with space programs exploring 
and uh, and industry and private individuals uh, financing rockets to go up into space. And he he's he's got it again. Arthur C. Clarke called it. And so it, like India having like when you read 2061 back in 1999, whenever I would have read it, uh, it just seemed preposterous. The idea that South Africa would have a space program or that India or China would have any kind of a space program. And here we are today and all of it's there. That's so true. Like, I love 2001. I have a poster in the studio here. Um, and um, when you think about that, yeah, I mean, we're there. India. There we go. Good yeah. job, India. And we've got a scary ass artificial intelligence developing too. That could oh, be yeah. its own consciousness. Which yeah. is very interesting. You do say that artificial engineering, right? I may I asked Dali to show me an image of very oh, ugly yeah. ugly and smelly looking Margot Robbie and it didn't and it didn't show me one. So obviously that's not possible it's even yeah no it's not well, possible Well we all we all it's, know it's impossible it's, for Margot yeah, Robbie to be Do- ugly. Dolly yeah. is trash stable diffusion Wait is what you asked AI, AI to generate an Indian Margot Robbie no, is that no, what you no. said an ugly <laughs> ugly and smelly Margot Robbie so, Oh an ugly and an smelly <laughs> I thought you said an Indian Margot Robbie which I want to see <laughs> I uh, AI I know show. I know I know there exists in this world a Indian uh, Julia Roberts. It's highly possible. I went to I went to school with her. Okay. Uh, and I could tell you her name, but no, please. We're don't. so famous now that yeah, it'd be embarrassing yeah, if people would like stalk her. Right yes. Now. So yeah. I better I better not mention so, her name. Uh, so I, when you're talking and when you said the f- uh, one thing I forgot to mention, you're talking about the Artemis Accords and stuff like that. Uh, so India and Japan have a joint collaboration of sending like. Um, uh, um, some kind of a manned space mission kind of stuff. They, that's what the collaboration is going to be. In India the next, and Japan. India and Japan. So there's not, I mean, they're never going to collaborate with uh, China. So <laughs> that's out of the question. Uh, Why not? Um, they're not because they're both like trying to become dominate each other in the economic fields. So. Yeah, I guess. But don't isn't isn't China and India and a few more countries? What what is that um, interesting economic Big pact? B R I C S. B R I C S. Yeah, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. So it's an economic. Country. Boom. Yeah. So that's so why not why not China and India uh, uh, swapping some uh, bordering territories and also China supports Pakistan and stuff like that. So there is a lot of political, uh, issues. political issues and things like that. But there, but here they are hanging out in that very interesting economic pact that uh, only Arthur C. Clarke could have conceived of. <laughs> I know, uh, and and you he would have been laughed out of the room forty years ago, and here they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very interesting. Let's see what that happens. Is interesting. So because right. they're playing both sides of the coin almost it seems like. India is seems to be doing that. I I love this cuz India of all those countries in that pack which brick yeah bricks 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 so yeah. of all the countries in that the most interesting to me is India the one that seems to be doing um its own thing for its own reasons right you can kind of guess what China's up to Russia South Africa uh, Brazil, you can, uh, if you if you think about it, you can kind of see their motivations. But India plays everybody. 
They accept aid and, and work with the United States. They have refused to say a bad thing about Putin and his move in the Ukraine, even though they're, they share this border with China and they're kind of enemies of China. They're here playing, uh, you know, with China a little bit economically. It seems like the only, the only you know, country that India absolutely hates is Pakistan. Other than that, you, you can kind of, they'll play ball with anybody. I don't really know much about politics to even comment, but okay, I'll yeah. go with that. Let's go with that. They'll certainly call anybody. Yeah. Oh, so so feel free was, to, to, to talk about it, because oh, uh, that's what the show is about. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, Pakistan is understandable. Three war spot. I mean, they lost three wars. So that's fine. That's okay. I mean, I don't really care. I wish we could just not have them as a neighbor so we could like deviate all that money that we are spending on the border to just to other things, better things, and we could have done much better. Like, we are having an army in places which we wouldn't need to have if Pakistan wasn't there at the border. Have you ever thought of building a wall? <laughs> They've got the Himalaya. I mean, that's on other side. Oh, we we, so, we yeah. do have a desert in between, but... Ah, wall. Interesting. Why has why has nobody ever thought of that? Nobody's one? ever thought of it. It's a genius idea. Only Chinese people have managed to build that successfully. Yeah, yeah. So, so I want to I want to get back to the yeah. to the rover if we could because we haven't really and I think maybe you guys did did a show without me about about maybe uh, populating the moon or something. But that's I'm going to ask that question. So the the end game to all this presumably is to to find water that could be used for a colony on the moon yes a, that is the reason everybody wants the south pole thing mm-hmm. is because if you can find water in there then bang you have fuel and you have water yeah and water for life that's it and now when you when you start looking at it that way too um and i might be presuming too much but um mo- India and China especially have an uh, issue with, with overpopulation, right? Yeah. So could that be a big motivator, a big push for a country like India to to pursue colonization of the moon? I don't think so. That no? that I don't think that's like the like that's immediate future. I don't think that's even close to yeah, possible. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean, we haven't even found water. First, we need to find water. Then we have to send moon uh, people up to the moon. Then we have to make a working shelter up there. Yeah. It's like a like a hundred year project, I think. Yeah. You think a hundred? Well, it seems years to me like short. Well, us. well, when I think about it, it's like I mean, we have the technology. I feel to to accomplish that, and, and all we need is water. Like we we have the ability to send people up there. This is probably when people are going to die, unfortunately, but. Uh, we have the ability to, to to build to construct structures on the moon, and if we have water, we have everything we need to, well, to grow crops. And I mean, at the first, you have to send, you know, what you're forgetting is to we have to send the raw material, the mm-hmm. initial material we have, to, and that will take a huge and like huge amount of money because mo- the India was able to do this thing very cheaply was one of the main reasons we, we used a very low amount of fuel because we kept on circling the earth mm-hmm. multiple times and there is a calculation for every kilogram of fuel you put in the um, or every kilogram you make the spacecraft heavier 
you make the you add a cost of like ten thousand or hundred thousand dollars to mm -hmm. that entire spacecraft. So there's okay. a huge thing. So yeah. You, so if you load it down with tons of buildings, yeah, I mean you can. I mean, then the fuel amount increases, which immediately ra raises the price, and then you have to justify it to. Uh, the, the whichever government and government has to justify it to people when there's a huge chance of the entire spacecraft blowing up. Mm -hmm. Well, so. isn't an exponential factor for growth on the moon something called helium three? And uh, wouldn't that be like a something that could cause like an explosion of prosperity? On well, the moon? you have to extract it, right? Right. Yeah, you just so to extract it, you need to send the machine up there. So, okay, so explain to the listeners what helium three is and why it's well, valuable. I don't know about the valuable part that much because I don't know much about it. But well, helium three is a part of is an isotope of helium, which is the second element on the periodic table, and it is usually a superconductor, which means you can easily pass electricity and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess it has works in MRIs and things like that. Uh, but I don't know about the fuel implication of it, but what I do know for sure is water is what they're looking for to generate fuel on moon. Mm. That's what they want to do because you can have uh, solar power and you using that solar power, you can break down the water into oxygen and hydrogen. So using that, what you do is you can use that to burn it back to create the fuel, which is uh, some kind mm. of a hydrazine or something like that. So you burn the hydrogen. So infinite energy. Not really infinite. Of, of course, almost. You're gonna, almost. Yeah. Yeah, on, uh, recy renewable. But renewable. <coughs> yeah, renewable. What Honor Bond's getting at, though, is to get, to get all the facilities up yeah. there, you, uh, you have that huge problem of getting heavy equipment off of Earth, which is you know, the American Space Program and Elon Musk have two of the largest rockets ever devised mm -hmm. right now. Right. The ones for the Artemis program are the biggest ones ever. And the one that Elon Musk just blew up, which was apparently a success, is even bigger. Mm. It's, it's, it's the biggest one and it hasn't been successful yet. But those two, between the two of them, will be the biggest ever. And the whole idea for those is to lift heavy stuff plus people and eventually get some sort of a, well, call it a moon base and, set up. And, and, wow. uh, and, and the part about that, what the, the Elon Musk is also trying to do, and also, I don't know about NASA part, but one of the main things, his selling point is that huge lift up, those side boosters and everything you see, which helps to lift the rocket up and then fall away. What he's trying to do is they won't just randomly fall away. They, they will come back. Yeah, so that we can recycle them, them over and over again. So that yeah, would save the cost. So yeah, it's still expensive. Yeah. But then once you're once you're at the moon, once you've got that set up and you're extracting water to use as fuel, then going any farther is way easier. Yes. And that's the whole point. You have smaller rockets that can just hop off the moon, and that's nothing because the gravity is nothing. Mm -hmm. And you got uh, practically limitless fuel because it's all full of water and you're using the water for fuel. And so the next phase is where it's going to get a hell of a lot easier. But the moon base is the first step. That's going to, that's going to be a pain in the ass and take a long time for a permanent colony on the moon. That's, that's your hundred year project. I a mean, moon base is happening right now. They're starting work getting there right I mean, now. Moon colony, if you don't want it to be self-sustaining, then it's pretty easy. Like it's six or seven days to get to moon. So you could set it up, the base, you could have like a pressurized container set up just to get the basic functioning. Yeah. Like you could have like 
four or five people set up out there. Uh, It'd be like the, the Martian. It would be even the more stri stripped-down version of Mar Martian. I mean, think of that. Like, we did go to the moon, right? We did go to the moon. Aldrin and Neil Armstrong did spend time there on the moon. Yeah, there they was a moon base. There, they were there for like, you know, eight hours or something. So yeah. there was a base. In, you can do that. Even now with these little things, it wouldn't just be for long period of time. And moment, so to do that for long, you have to do, you have to do incremental. You have to do a lots of mission, supplying lots of little parts and keep going at it. Like it has to be a combined. I don't think one single nation would be able to do that. And probably it's going it's to have to turn a profit at some point for any of this to work as well. So you're going to have to bring stuff, valuable stuff back from the moon um, which is probably easier than getting it up getting there in the first place because yeah. you can just kind of drop it. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but I've you know I've read a few articles about helium three being pretty valuable. Yeah, helium three I've heard, and then there's a ton of um, really like you know metal material that no, yeah. is not like, you know, like titanium. I think yeah is Iridium. common as dirt Iridium. up there, and it's mm -hmm. yeah. I mean. Iridium? Yeah. Iridium, yeah, oh, wow. like and stuff like that. One of the first things I can guarantee you, even before Moon Base, what people will try to do is like mine the asteroids. Right. That's what that would they would try get the to asteroid do. to hit the moon and uh, then mine them and then ship I, it back. I, mean, to I Earth. wasn't just thinking because like even before people were Elon Musk came to the picture, there was this uh, there is this organization that happened or a think tank with Spielberg, Google's uh, chairman Alexey Brin, and people like that. Who wanted to just mine the asteroids? They had a they had a entire yeah. thought process set up, mm. and if you read like old trashy nineteen fifties and sixties sci fi novels, they would have this yeah. minor kind of quality going around it. Uh, yeah, uh, Arthur C. Clarke again. <laughs> yeah, so he he envisioned that they would find huge uh, stockpiles of diamonds on some of the Possible. outer worlds in the solar yeah. system. Yeah. Uh, including that, a, a mountain on Europa that was a diamond, <laughs> a, a solid diamond. diamond. And so, uh, yeah, there could be huge diamonds laying around on the moon. Um, and that's pretty valuable stuff. So Arthur C. Clarke, he called it. Well, He's I, the I, man. Got a, I got a scientific kind of or science fiction-esque idea for you all to think about. Do you think humans will ever evolve past like just – the necessary resources do you think that we can be uh you know combined with ai in some way and just be like okay see y'all later and then just kind of disappear evolutionary wise and then let people forget like we are a species with a very short memory and then we'd kind of go back to the stone ages and then see you know later on all this stuff up on the moon whenever we evolve like uh to see it again what do you think I, i'm sure there's a sci-fi novel about that <laughs> Sounds like a good one if there isn't one out there. There is one. I'll get AI to write it. Time Machine. Yeah. Well, AI, yeah. the movie More. AI is pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's going to, that's what everybody's been saying, including Arthur C. Clarke again, and probably him first, is that our technology is going to outlive us. Yeah. When, when AI, when we start building AI that can self replicate, um, it's going to leave us behind. And maybe not in a bad way. You know, that's kind of the movie AI is um, not great, but it, the its end game is pretty, pretty profound and pretty touching. I won't spoil it for anybody, but it happens, you know, 10,000 years into the future. It is inevitable. 
Yeah. Hopefully, but the, the little the little toy child <laughs> yeah. that's an artificial intelligence um, survives humanity by you know into the next ice age, and aliens revive him, and it's pretty cool. It's a cool concept. Awesome. And that is the end of the movie, so I've spoiled it for everybody. <laughs> and, uh, I was going to say, uh, like, one thing uh, I was going to mention, um, be- since we started the show, just happened, like, yesterday, I believe. Uh, we did launch, and this is something we should have an sh- entire show about, is uh, we launched a um, uh, mission to the mo- uh, sun. It's called Aditya L1. Uh, so it's going to be in the kind of like the Parker probe <laughs> that is up there. Uh, NASA and that, said. you guys India did that yeah, right yeah yesterday yeah what so, a what a one-two punch man you guys are just so you're you guys are yeah all over the world stage right now good good on you yeah hopefully it will get there so remember when uh, this is one thing Conley loves talking about like uh, flares solar flares and solar stuff flares, right yeah. so this is one of the things like along with Parker probe they're going to study the uh, sun's corona to figure out how the sun's corona changes right before a flare happens so that mm. we could predict that and we should definitely have a show about sun's corona is like a million kilometers away from the sun's surface sun's surface has a temperature of 5000 degrees celsius right and if you have a campfire if you move away from the campfire it feels cold right so if you go away from the sun's surface it starts heating up at a million kilometers dig- uh, away from the sun, it becomes a million degrees Celsius. Mm. Sun's surface is 5,600 degrees Celsius. Interesting. Well, so, it's colder. Hanarban, yes. I only have one question about that. Yeah. How many uh, degrees in Fahrenheit is that, and how many miles above the surface of the sun are we talking? Whew. Good question. Seven. <laughs> I would so if you divide a million <laughs> kilometers by one point six. I am totally joking. I could okay. care less. Can we, can yeah. we check another another uh, rupees? Another rupee? Could you have like a two hundred rupee? Let me check. <laughs> no, that, that uh, that's so cool. Well, uh, subscribe. We'll see you all next week at Science Nights in the Morning. Having a good time today. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Science Nights in the Morning. Be sure and follow us on Patreon for exclusive gear and uncut episodes. Check out the latest science articles on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. And if you got a question, we'll join the discussion. Hit the hotline at 432-217-1983 and record your message. We couldn't do this without you. And thank you so much for listening each and every week. That's Science Nights in the Morning with a K. And we'll see you next time.